0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
2: Welcome to episode 277 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Thursday, September 13, 2012. On tonight's show, Dr. Rob Lamberts, Dr. Rob as he's also called, We'll be chatting about his new solo practice using the direct care model. What's that? We will discuss. Plus, why would a guy with years of experience want to start over from scratch? I know I want to know that. In addition, we'll be reminiscing about the good old days of social media, you know, like five years ago. All that and a lot more coming up on episode... 277 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. As always, this is my good friend, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. This is Dr. Glenn Stream.
1: Um, this year, one of my commitments and, and a great interests is to be more engaged with you as leaders, chapter leaders, uh, and and our frontline membership. Uh, on, on Monday, a Twitter handle. Uh, I'm privileged to be the first one to hold, uh, at AFP Prez P-R-E-Z, I already have 29 followers, I feel so proud. Um, I have a long long way to go to catch up to uh, our current student
0: board member, Kevin Bernstein, who has a little over 1,000, and our uh, our king of family medicine, social media, uh, Mike Sevilla, who has nearly 7,000 members.
2: show that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I'm your host. My name is Mike Sabella. And, uh, yes, I'm very excited about tonight's show. Just uh, I invite you to check out my digital library of stuff at familymedicinerocks.com. Shout out to all people that follow me on Twitter, all 10,094 of you out there. Thank you so much for that. And also a shout out to all 518 people who uh, like the Facebook page for this show. Today is Thursday, September 13, 2012. It is 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and here at Family Medicine, The Rock's World Headquarters, it is 72 degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, how's everybody's week going there? I want to thank everybody for your support of last week's show, episode 276, uh, with Dr. Ted Epperly talking about his book, Fractured, about our broken healthcare system, which kind of carries through to our theme uh, with with tonight's guests. Uh, But last week's show... Uh, definitely in the top ten of most downloaded shows uh, in the history of this uh, of this podcast. So thank you so much for that. If you haven't checked that out, check out episode 276. Uh, but on tonight's show, episode 277, coming up in a little bit, um, is Dr. Rob. Dr. Rob Lambert's uh, currently a senior partner at Evans Medical Group and has been there for almost 20 years. You can get more information. At his personal website at drlamberts.org, spell out doctor there. Uh, and of course, uh, founder of the blog uh, More Musings of the Distractible Kind at more-distractible.org, and also uh, formerly of Musings of a Distractible Mind. And we're going we're gonna to be talking about the, the uh, direct care practice. What's that about? Uh, he has on his blog, and which we'll get into uh, in more detail in a few minutes, uh, he says here, uh, has several things, and I'm quoting from his blog here, which I know he'll clarify when he comes on the show. Number one, insurance is not accepted. Not c- completely true, but we'll get into that. Number two, a patients pay a monthly subscription fee for access. Number three, office visits for free or very low cost. Number four, patients have more access to their doctor via phone, internet, or immediate appointment availability. Number five, uh, the number of patients is kept relatively small. So well, we will get... In- into all of that but before all of that <laughs>
1: uh
2: i just want to play a short segment uh of a, a show that happened uh five years ago which which uh, i think is very very funny um and um because dr rob was the very first guest on this show on episode number five which you can check out at familymedicinerocks.com and i just wanted to play this is a a a quick segment here probably about two three minutes uh to kind of we can look look back in the Looking Glass there a little bit uh, for a few minutes before we uh, bring Dr. Rob on for tonight's interview. But this is from 2007 September, uh, and I think it's a very entertaining segment here, which will start things off.
0: Hey, Dr. A, this is Dr.
2: Rob. Hey, Dr. Rob. Well, technology is 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 going to be working good tonight. So, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing real well. I'm doing real well. Just sitting in a nice hotel room right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I you know, I really appreciate you uh, uh doing this on on uh, su- such uh, short notice. Um but you're you're currently not at home right now. You're you're out of town right now, is that correct?
0: Yeah, I'm in Chicago. Oh, okay. Well great, great.
2: Well I I'm glad that your um your conference schedule was able to uh, to fit us in this evening. I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's no problem. Nobody wanted to go to dinner with me, so I just sitting up here lonely, crying myself to sleep, and I guess I had this to do, huh? <laughs>
2: well we have uh, we have some people listening. we we have uh three or four people in our chat room tonight so you're you're not alone tonight so uh, but I do have to ask you what 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 is up with the llama I mean, what's, <laughs> what's you know what's your interest with them? i mean is it you know is this Nothing like really. is, is this like r rated or something or you oh, know, this,
0: no <laughs> no I'm anything like r rated um uh, you know, uh, honestly, early, early when I first started posting, actually, way back when I was on Blogspot, it was monkeys and cows, and they were just kind of fun to to post about. and I was doing stuff about monkeys and cows quite a bit, and uh, and then uh, and then uh, goats and llamas have kind of become one of the staples of of what I uh, post about because I found a bunch of funny uh, stories on on llamas, and one of my very favorite uh, posts from the old blog was. One called uh, "Grab Your Mama, Get Get a Llama," and it was something about just uh, just talking all about different llamas, and and uh, it, it just was a real silly uh, kind of one of my silliest early posts. And so uh, I, uh, I I just kind of have carried it on, and people would mention it, and I kind of like to have running jokes in the blog. It's just kind of fun to pull, you know, that that's kind of inside humor that people who would read it for the first time wouldn't understand that I was referring to a post, you know, two months ago. But my regular readers would, and I think, you know, I, I don't know, that's uh, uh, just the kind of humor I like. I, I mean, to me, humor is is so important. And, and even though um, I like to be uh, humorous, um, I'm actually, I mean, I think overall I'm a very serious person. I, I, I'm serious in the sense that I do think that the humor Part of life is just as important as the other part of parts of our life, and it's not an escape to be funny and to laugh. It's it's fully human and it's fully what we want to be doing. And I don't see any contradiction in talking about death and that kind of stuff in one post, and about you know llamas wearing you know hats in, in the next post because they're all part of our our existence. And and uh, you know, but again, I I just I don't know, I just enjoy making my readers laugh, and llamas have, for whatever reason, had a strong effect.
2: All right, so we're back live, and it's hard to believe that was uh, five uh, years ago, and we'll probably get into reminiscing that a little bit, but uh, um, I want to thank everybody who is in the chat room right now and uh, who is listening live, and uh, so we will take our break here, and uh, then Dr. Rob will be at the other end of this break. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. You can Google FM Revolution for more details, and also a member of the Pro Network Network podcast. You can get there by going to promednetwork.com. Dr. Rob, in our discussion about direct care, will be right after this. <laughs> That's right, social media through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast on a Thursday night. My name is Mike Sevilla. And uh, on the line with us, are our good friend, we haven't talked to in a long time, and I'm I'm so gracious and I'm so glad for the time uh, tonight. Uh, on the line is uh, Dr. Rod, Dr. Rod Lambers. Thank you for coming back to the show there, sir.
0: Well, hey, Mike, how are you doing? And thank you for... Bringing back such good old memories, I have to say I listened to that whole I listened to that whole radio show uh, prior to listening to this, and it was like you know with Doctor Val, and oh, it was just such you know those were the days, weren't they?
2: Those, those were the days, and well, maybe we'll have some time uh, at the end here to kind of uh, reminisce a little bit. But I know a lot of people are going to be tuning in uh, to talk about your 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 new change in your uh, professional yeah. life. And, um, so why don't we just kind of start out as far as you know every you know the the big question is why you know and you've you've written a lot of posts about this and you've discussed about it, but not we start there as far as i mean you've been you've been in your practice now almost twenty years, and kind of uh let's start this conversation as far as you know what did you see in those twenty years and and you know what what kind of made you make this change at this point
0: um well um you know we'- i over the past eighteen, eighteen years, twenty years, I, I've um, I am a passionate kind of person. Uh, you know, people who read what I write know that I don't write just kind of glibly. Even my humor is is usually well. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that. Some of us it's really stupid. But um, you know, I, I I tend to be much more serious. And certainly, since I've come back to blogging, I even noticed that my tone is, has just been just a little bit more serious overall. But I, the truth is, I, I just love I just love being a doctor. I love doing primary care. It it just fit me so well. And um, and I've always been the kind of person who would look for new ways to do things and look for ways to improve my care. Um, And, um, and so, you know, that was why, you know, 16 years ago, we put computers in our exam rooms, you know, way before most people did. And I became one of the pioneers of primary care as far as that goes. Um, And, but as time's gone on, more and more stuff has just kind of crept in, into the exam room. And, uh, you know whether it's whether it's uh, increased volume of patients that I've got to see to to make the same amount of money, or if it's you know HIPAA coming coming in more and more, or whether it's you know meaningful use criteria that you got to do, and it's just one more thing after one more thing, um, and and I think it's the fact that I. I I want to do as good of a job as I can with my patients. And I've just found that over the past uh, probably two years, um, I've really kind of started to feel the, the symptoms of burnout. I've felt the symptoms of, of you know, that I come home at the end of the day feeling like uh, I've been wrung dry. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the feeling of... And, and it's because I, I care... About the job I'm doing, and I don't feel like I have enough time to do it. Um, you know, I'm not one of those people. You know, I have a I have a partner who who worries at nighttime, wakes up. I don't do that. It's not that. It's just that I lay it out all there while I'm there with my patients. You know, uh, I, it always amazes me when I have patients tell me, "Well, you're the first doctor who's." really talk to me. It's like, <laughs> what do the others do? You know, semaphore or pantomime or what, what are they doing? <laughs> I, I don't quite, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. But regardless, you know, it, the point is that, that that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to connect with people. And I think that the fact that I couldn't say, no, I'm just going to give a quarter of myself, I couldn't do that. And, and it really kind of led me to the point where I really felt the sense of burnout. And honestly, it it was, it created some conflict within the practice because I was wanting to change things and they weren't wanting to change things anymore. Uh, and they, we finally kind of came to a mutual decision that I needed to, to go this way. Um, you know, and and I it's been kind it.
2: of uh, it's been kind of you said it's been kind of building over the past yeah. uh, couple of years as far as you know the external forces and then the discussions internally would that be accurate to say?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's dead on. I think part of it is because I was able to, um, you know, for years prior to this, I was able to use the computer to. In, you know, As opposed to most people who viewed computer as an imposition, I've always seen it as an enabler for me to to spend less time looking for stuff in the chart. And I always tried to use it as a tool to improve my communication with my patients. I mean, again, some folks see that as a contradiction, but that's always been the way that I've viewed EMR. It's I'm not, I'm not wedded to the product. I'm I'm using it as a tool to improve what I want to do. Um, and I think that's actually why I've been successful. But kind of got, um, I, I kind of got um, off track as far as as changing things with that. And I, I really kind of felt like I was in a powerless position after I we kind of I kinda, I guess we kind of milked uh, the EMR dry. And again, I, my partners were kind of tired of me changing things all the time as well. Uh, and so I ended up. Kind of feeling, kind of like I was sitting on my hands and watching things just kind of steadily grow more and more um, busy, and with less and less time to to take care of my patients like I wanted to. Um, yeah you know, how many
2: uh, uh, how many people in your group?
0: Um, we have uh, five physicians and two uh, mid levels. And I'm the senior partner. I I actually yeah I founded the practice so or one of the founders of the practice.
2: Wow. No, I mean uh, I mean a lot of people now I mean are are going through this EMR change in their practice, but but your practice I mean you started early and you kind of alluded right. to it a little bit as well. Why did you go so early with EMR? Because I know a lot of docs now are like I don't even see a use for it, but you kind of um, saw you know a, a huge utility for EMR. Why did you start that so early?
0: The the real uh, motivation was actually I, I did my residency in Indiana uh, University and Clem McDonald uh, and Mark are to the the you uh, um, know ancestors or whatever you want to call it. I anyway, I went to a place where. You know, everything was still was computerized back uh, in in 1990 1992 when I was uh, through 1990 to 94 was that when I was at IU and and they were already pulling in weather forecasts and doing all sorts of stuff and and they were already um, have had yeah you know, we would put meningitis and they would put a whole series of orders for us in I mean it was really slick and it would I, I just said geez this makes go faster uh, you know I want to do that. Uh, and so when we put in an EMR product, you know, at first it really sucked and we're like, Gosh, this just going to slow me down. And instead of saying, well, I hate it. We just said, I'm not going to use the parts that slow me down. I'm just going to use the parts that speed me up because some of it does. Some of it I can use to speed me up. And so we actually, uh, me and the, the actually the other guy who started the practice, who we actually went off to Africa to be a missionary. Uh, but he, uh, uh he and I and he actually interestingly he's actually doing e m r implementations in Kenya right now <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> wow. interesting stuff he's doing really cool stuff actually um but anyway um i just kind of we just saw it always saw it as a tool, and that is how actually um kind of we kind of rose to the top, it was never feeling like I was enslaved to the MR as it was. It was to say, okay, what is good here and what stinks? And let's not use the stuff that stinks. And let's use the stuff that's good. It's all about the patient encounter. It's not about the computer. And, you know, everything we did, all the changes we did were were an attempt to improve that, you know, either the speed of putting things in, the speed of getting stuff back out, or the, the output of, of information to the patient. And, you know, even some of the meaningful use things, I mean, I wrote about this recently where, you know, we all have to have this um, clinical summary that we write for our patients and, and give to our patients. Well, most of the most of the um, EMR vendors' is stuff that they end up giving to the patient is just a bunch of repeated words that happen right. on everything. I mean, stuff that they just basically ignore. They look at this and say, what is it? Exactly. And I said, I said right. I'm not doing that. And so I made my own. That is basically from the patient's perspective. What medicines did I start? What medicines do I stop? What should be my medication list right now? What labs were ordered? What x-rays were ordered? And it put it in a very logical order. And, you know, again, it's just that mindset of of always trying to think about the chief purpose of what I'm doing, which is to take care of my patients. And yeah, that's well, um...
2: Now before we do, before we really dive into this direct care, I'm, I'm reading from a blog post. It's called Dropping Out, and it's at more-distractable.org if people uh, haven't read it already. Um, and and you're saying that it, there's a couple of reasons you're not doing this. One, you're not angry with, with with your partners and what you're working at, and this is not some kind of political statement. You're not upset about Obamacare. Can you explore that a little okay. bit before we dive into this?
0: Yeah, um, as far as my partners go, I, I have to say that, and that I was upset at one point. <laughs> I was really upset because I was real frustrated because we weren't communicating, and and I, some of it was on my part, and some of it was on theirs. This were human beings, but um, the real blessing through all this was the, is the fact that we really do like each other, and we really do, in the end, care about each other as 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 human beings, and having worked together as long as we have and they really in the end are basically sending me out uh more it's not a divorce as much as it's you know sending me out as a college student to college or whatever you know it's i i could not i, I could um i can go for 6 months without have, drawing a salary uh they're setting me up in that way as i leave um and you know that that just it doesn't usually happen that way so you know I always trying to emphasize that I'm not leaving out of protest that oh they're so lousy or they're doing it all wrong you know really what it comes down to is that I'm just this guy who's restless to really do things my way and do things what I think are the right way and it got to the point where I was going to either go crazy myself or drive them crazy Uh, and they decided that it was best for me and best for them for me to go do it, they they didn't want to ride shotgun with me while I'm doing it, and and I don't I, I don't blame them at all for that. Um, and so it really it couldn't have ended any better from that standpoint. As far as you know, the timing as far as the Obamacare stuff, you know, people are going, oh, he hated Obamacare. I don't hate Obamacare. I, I mean, to me, you know, there's there's a certain amount of rearranging chairs on the Titanic. You know, the problem is that we're spending too much money, and and this doesn't, in my opinion, do all that much to change that. I like the recent um, the recent emphasis on primary care, especially you know, in preventive care and that kind of stuff. But you know, it's it's a spit and do of the ocean as far as real change goes. Um, you know, it may insure more people, uh, that would be good. But um, you know, I, I don't have real strong negative or positive emotions about Obamacare. Um, it, it you know, I just want people to not think, well, Golding Yeah, because I have patients coming in. And we're in the South, you know, definitely a, um, a Republican kind of state where our patients will come in and they, they think that every single medical problem is due to Obama <laughs> and all the problems in our system. That was, like, a fun place to practice medicine before then. Uh, and it really wasn't. It really was pretty lousy then, too. Um, and, uh, you know, I just don't think that... Um, I personally don't think that I have a whole lot of faith in Congress to fix the problem, Uh, but certainly, you know, I don't think Obamacare is this huge good or bad thing. I just kind of see it as more politics, really. (laughs) That's about as political as I'll get, though.
2: Uh, my guest on the line is uh, Dr. Rob Dr. Rob Lambert's and uh, check out his uh, website at drlamberts.org spell out dr there and um uh, so so let's kind of dive into this uh, direct care practice and so when you talk to patients or when you're going to be talking uh, to patients about direct care um what do you tell them about what do you what do you tell them about the style of medicine that you're going to be practicing
0: well um you know I, what I tell them first is that that I really Um, I got tired of feeling like I wasn't doing a good job on people because the only way that I could take care of the only way I can, uh, you know, we always have to call people to come into the office to be seen because that's the only way we get paid, by doing encounters, office encounters. That's what you have to bill. There's some billing for phone and other stuff but it's really minuscule compared to what you do. So basically the the time that you're at the office you're only earning money when you're uh when you're making a living whatever way you want to put it, you're only doing that while you're seeing patients. Well, then, if somebody calls in and has a problem and if you take care of it, then you're doing two things against your business you're turning away business and that you know you're you're getting free care and plus you're taking the time to do that and uh, and to uh, that's taking away from time that you could be seeing people, paying patients in the hosp- in the office, and and I don't like either of those things. I, you know, I don't I don't like inconveniencing my patients, bringing them in, and and you know what I tell people is, you know, insurance is forcing me to make you come in for every little thing, and you know, and and I I can't offer you care over the phone as much as I'd like to. I can't do, and it doesn't take much convincing for them to believe that insurance is, is, has ruined everything. And you know what I sometimes even say is, I think, I think right now it's like, we're, you know, medicine, I mean, healthcare has been hammering doctors and patients, really, especially primary care doctors and their patients, for years. Um, whether it's you know the hospitals or the you know the uh, um, insurance companies or the government or you name it we're just kind of getting hammered from all sides and and it's about time that we stand up and say i I don't i don't want to be hammered anymore i don't want to have to follow those rules um and so you know the idea is is basically that i'm not going to take insurance and that means i don't have to follow the insurance rules anymore Uh, but instead of you know charging you to come in to see me i'm you know I want to do it as a a monthly subscription or whatever you want to call it a retainer and uh I keep the cost as reasonable as I can to make it affordable to as many people as possible um and do it so that you know if you call then I'll manage since I've already been paid and I'm not gonna get paid anymore if I say "Come on in," then I'll try and manage what I can over the phone or on the computer if you if you log in and the nice thing is, you know, let's say somebody has all sorts of stuff they want to find out, and then I finally decide that I want to see them. You know, they go through their history back and forth, either on the phone or on the computer. And then I say, okay, well, let me let me bring in to see you. All I really need to do is check your blood pressure and, and listen to your heart and, and lungs, and, and we can get a urinalysis, and then that's it. That will take about ten minutes. They can come on their lunch break, and, you know, my goal my goal will be to... Keep my office empty so that I can do that any time. Um, keep my office as empty as possible. I don't, I don't really want to be. You know, I, I really don't think that most of the visits that I have coming to my office are necessary. I think most of them could be done, else you know, uh, virtually or in whatever way. Um, so. You know, my what I tell my patients is that I'm really trying to make it so that I can now focus on what I love, which is taking care of them, and not have to deal with all the right, you know, everybody else's demands. I want to just deal with them. I want to keep it as simple as possible.
2: Um, and and you have um, scored and underlined and bolded that that uh, you know if they, if patients do have insurance, they can still see you, but they have to file their own paperwork. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's not really, not, you know, I, I might need to reword that because there's been some confusion about that, you know, for the for the monthly fee, I don't think they can file it. Although, uh, you know, the legality is different in every state, but the the what we I've had to do the research into whether or not I can take money from people's HRA accounts uh, or their flex spending accounts, their health savings accounts, that kind of stuff, and I can. They can actually uh, put that money towards that monthly uh, subscription uh, type uh, fee. Um, so, um, you know, but everything else, uh, you know, the thing is people will say, well, oh, good, I don't need insurance since I'm seeing you. No, <laughs> you do still. If I order a lab test and those lab tests, you know, if I send it out to a, a lab, I might negotiate a discount, but it's still, you know, you still can get your insurance to pay for it if I get a chest, an X-ray or if I, if you go to the ER or whatever. You know, this is not taking the place of it. This is just meaning that the part that you pay me won't be won't go through insurance um, because it's just that monthly payment. And I, you know, I did the math initially on and thought about now if I saw x number of patients had x number of patients on my panel and charged them fifty bucks a month and and then. I did a plus or minus a copay do I wanna put a copay for a visit just to maybe you know add a little extra or to maybe discourage extra visits? The copay adds almost nothing to revenue almost nothing, and it just adds to the complexity of the billing you know the billing if I can keep it you know whatever fifty dollars is kind of the number I throw around but it's it's give or take on that number uh some that's in that ballpark um Per month, if that's all I do, then then billing simple. It's <laughs> a so one month thing. Have you paid? Okay, good. That way you can come see me. Uh, if you haven't? Then you better do it before you know before you come in, and that's it. Um, rather than having to you know follow people, you know you haven't paid for two months, and let's send you the collection and all that garbage, which I absolutely hate. So I'm trying to keep it as utterly simple. And, and the funny thing is, I've I've had numerous patients say. This is so much like the old times. This is just like, you know, when I was a kid or when my mom was a kid or whatever, uh, or when you were a kid, Dr. Bob. Right. <laughs> because <Frank. laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they, uh, they uh, it, you know, it really does. It feels kind of like old-time medicine uh, to a lot of them. And, you know, the irony is that, that technology is enabling me to do old-time medicine, which is pretty cool.
2: So what about things like, I mean, you know, all, all this paperwork hassles that, you know, that that we do every day, like pre-authorizations and blah, 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 and this and that. So would you guys be doing that or would you be pushing that on the patient to get that paid for?
0: Um, you know, it depends. I, I Most of it is is. A lot of that stuff I haven't totally worked out. Now, if if I, you know, and again, this is a work in progress. I have sure of course. Yeah, um, I'm just asking questions. I, yeah. I haven't been doing it, um, but you know, if I have only a thousand patients, let's say, or even eight hundred patients, you know, I am way way down from before. So all the pre authorizations and stuff, the number of those goes way way down, and and I can have time to do that, and I can be doing that type of thing ahead of time, you know, with with the extra time that I've got, uh, you know, with, when I'm not seeing patients or doing stuff like that in the office. And again, my goal is to not be terribly busy in the office so that I can be taking care of those X number of patients who aren't in the office. Um, and so, yeah, I would be doing paperwork if I need to. You know, I haven't – one thing I really haven't worked out is exactly what, what about those insurance policies that – Um, require me to, you know, require referral from a uh, participating provider. You know, I'm going to go first try and negotiate directly with them and see if I can somehow get around it. But if not, I might be able to, you know, work with a prompt care, uh, you know, an urgent care type of place and have shared patients in that sense that I'll manage them and that stuff, and then if they get sick, they can go see them. Uh, You know, that, that would work. You know, that wouldn't be a problem. That would help me. Um, and so, you know, if I'm not under the insurance banner, I can negotiate with other uh, entities like labs or x-rays or other physicians for, for that type of thing. Um, but the amount of paperwork that I have to do goes goes down huge. I mean, if I'm not doing Medicare and Medicaid, I don't have to do e and coding. I don't have to put in all the garbage in the office note. And it was really kind of this, whoa, what would I what would I put in a note if I didn't have to follow the rules anymore? Cuz it's always been about the rules. Um, you know, you know that if you don't no, put in course. the ex bullet points or whatever, it's like, no, what if what would I put in a note if I didn't have to follow those rules? And, you know, I don't know the answer to that. It, it it's you know, I'm still working through that, but it would definitely be a whole lot less than I'm putting in now.
2: Uh and something that's cool that that you're doing on on the it looks like the the office uh Facebook page is you're kind of uh crowdsourcing some questions like uh where should my office uh, be located? Can you talk a little bit about uh how that how you're trying to do with that?
0: Yeah, it, well I mean everything I want to crowdsource because truth is, you know, I can come up with I'll come up with these basic ideas, but you know, if if I can if I don't have to follow the rules anymore, uh, and there's a lot of rules I don't have to follow anymore. Then, if some, if we come up with a good idea, if my one of my patients comes with a great idea, we'll just kind of say, "Oh, yeah, let's do it that way. <laughs> it's fine by me. I don't care." Um, you know, and I just have had several suggestions already from patients of different things. Well, you know, I've uh, I wanted to move the office closer to where I where I live here, you know, so I can be just you know a mile away from my office and ride my bike to and from work that'd be real nice um augusta's not big so you know long commute here is 10 to 15 minutes that's oh man you're so far away some <laughs> people are are have a very different sense of distance than they did when i was in philadelphia um and but the um you know uh, i wanted to potentially do that but my wife was saying you know that's kind of far and i said well let me just ask my patients see what they think, and and so I put up a, a vote on on my Facebook page, and you know we'll see. And you know if they really overwhelmingly think that I should move elsewhere, then I should I should be in in Columbia County, which is out where my office is now. Then that's fine. I mean I'm not it's not that far away. It's not it doesn't my mental image of what my office would be is different, but I don't really care. Um, again, uh, it's it's really meant to be something. Uh, It's just meant to be something that is theirs. This is their health care.
2: Yeah, an example of that in in some of the blog posts that you have is that you really want to give patients uh, as much access to their own medical records uh, as you can. Can you speak to a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I would actually even correct that because, you know, the way that we say it is, um, you know, you can have access to my my medical records that we have on you. You know, it's like it's like a bank saying, and I, and I wrote this, but it's like a bank saying you can have access to your money if you want to, um, or to our money if you want to. It's like no, it's my money and I can take it. But the way that we treat patients' information, you know, I did way back when I I forget exactly. It was in the old old blog, but I did. Um, a post where i thought about what parts of the medical record are best controlled by the doctor, what parts are best controlled by the patient, and what parts are mutual ground. And the interesting thing was the biggest the smallest block of all of those were the was the one that was just doctor. Um by far the smallest one because you know, their whole social history, whether they smoke, whether they drink, whether they're married, where they're working, you know, all of that stuff, their family history, which medicines they're taking, you know, any visits that any specialists they see, all of that, they're far better controlling that information than I am. I mean, I don't, I'm do not i going to ask them anyway. Um, so, you know, I don't want to know, oh, did you, did you get divorced or that kind of, you know. F- so if I can have them in charge of that somehow, um and give them that section of the records then that's that's fabulous from my perspective now, you know, then there are the mixed areas, which are maybe the problem list, although you know maybe your problem list is shared the the um you know the list of uh you know certainly I want my patients to see their 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 lab tests and those types of things, and you know x rays now what they'll want is is some explanation along with that. Um, you know, I get some of these X-ray reports and, you know, they, the you know MRI reports talking about this ligamentum flavum and how it's the medial blah blah blah. You know, you're like, okay, I don't even understand what he's saying there.
1: Um, <laughs> and,
0: uh, <laughs> I, so I'm like I. It's basically not all that bad is what I'll say, you know, and that, so, I mean, I can share the report with them and they'll fixate on little things and that's always the fear of most doctors. But, you know, if these are my patients who really trust me, I don't mind giving them the report and saying, well, this is, you know, this is, this information is kind of worthless. If you want, I can just hide it from you and just give you my summary of what it is. But, you you know, be available for if you want it. I haven't exactly decided on how I'm going to do that either. Uh, but I know that, that I want them to have access to that because, let's say that they go to a, um, you know, let's say they go to a specialist or in the ER, uh, and, you know, if they had bring their iPad or whatever with them, they can say, well, here here's my last x-ray report. <laughs> so there you go. If they have the record, they don't get as many duplicate tests or or. or you know, anything else. Here's my plan of what we're going to be doing, here's my advice. And they go to the specialist, they can see why I why I sent them. Now I'm planning on emailing the specialist directly and telling them this is why I'm sending them to you. Um and getting specialists who are gonna be willing to do that. Um but it's you know, I want that in the hands of the patient patient 'cause patients basically the interface anyway. Um for most records. I mean, most of the stuff is just asked again and again and again and again, and they got to give this history over and over and over, and it's just crazy. Why don't you just give it to them and let them say, here, <laughs> you have this. I don't want to write it down anymore. I'll just print it out. I mean, I wouldn't want to have to fill it out every time. I go to a new bank. i got to fill out a new, you know, I have to fill out all my financial stuff again and again. So that's what people have to do all the time in medicine. It's just so
1: stupid.
0: Uh, so you know, I'm just again, it's that whole mindset of looking at things from their perspective, and uh, there's so many tasks that it's far better to have them do. And you know, I want to have access to the patient's records. That's the way that I view it. It's their record. I'm getting access to it from by that from them, um, and I'm curating it, and I'm helping them understand it, and. You know, one of the things that I've been really working on and, and was this idea of maybe having videos uh, where I, you know, explain stuff. And I give talks all the time during the, you know, during the course of the day about, you know, what is um, poison ivy? You know, what do you do about it? Same talk again and again and again. Or plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Or you know, muscle tension headaches. Well, why don't I just record them? Uh, and mm-hmm. and put them behind the wall, and that would be part of what I'm doing, deliverable for my patient. What they're getting for their X dollars a month, they're getting this whole series of medical information. Or you know, let's say there's some labs and they say, well, what is what is the alkaline phosphatase? And they click on that, and I say I do have a quick five, you know, you know, 30 second. This is alkaline phosphatase. It's this it's up, it's up real high then, then I work. but if it's mildly elevated, it's not really as big of a deal. Um, you know, and try and make it in such a way that I'm not giving them too much. You know, you, know, you want to be cautious in, in giving that type of stuff. But I want my patients, if they're having foot pain, to not have to call and come in, that they could just pull up the thing on foot pain and say, oh, yeah. Because I point at my foot right on the front of my heel and say, if it hurts right here, that's probably plantar fasciitis. They're like, oh, okay. Uh, that's That's probably what it is. I mean, it's so much simpler, and it saves them having to come in which is good for them and it's also good for me because I don't want to have to give that talk all the time.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm used
0: to it, but why do I have to bring them in to show them that, yeah, it hurts on your heel, it's plantar fasciitis, and get insults, you know? and what I do. um
2: My guest on the line is uh, Dr. Rob Lamberts, and uh, you can uh, check out the website at drlamberts.org. Uh, um, now let me ask you, Rob, here. So as you, as you were... Uh, conceiving this or considering this kind of move um what what kind of research did you do as far as you what type of model did you you know um because i know there's a lot of docs out there who are saying you know i'm thinking about doing a different type of model but i'm not sure where can you share a little bit about kind of your research about that
0: yeah i mean it really kind of started around christmas time that was kind of my um my um valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> you know, I just was just miserable around Christmas break last year. And was, the work was really tough, and there's a lot of stress and conflict going on, and I was just feeling totally overwhelmed. And so I started looking into different models and, and different things, and I looked out, you know, into concierge medicine and such. And the thing I don't like about concierge, the typical concierge practice is which you know is basically like I'm doing, except more expensive. And you know, a lot of times they'll do insurance on top of that. You just do a retainer. I mean, there's a lot of different flavors of that, but the idea is essentially the same, where you get paid a uh, monthly fee and they get premium care for that. But the thing I don't like about it, first off, it's expensive enough that that you're going to be taking care of uh, more, just basically a wealthier clientele. And I don't, I take care of tons of of I have Medicare, Medicaid, and and I take care of all different classes, and I like that. I like, I don't, you know, I think it is part of my my responsibility and duty to do that. But I, it's really, honestly, I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy, uh, you know, I honestly sometimes enjoy the 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 down to earth poorer folk than I do the rich people who feel like they deserve you know, me coming at their beck and call. And the last thing I want to do is make myself more at the beck and call of wealthy people um, um, because they'll, you know, then I'm just their doctor boy. Uh, <laughs> I do want to be doctor boy, come here. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and that's a little bit of a caricature because, again, there's plenty of nice folks. But it, it's that idea that it's just, I don't know, it seemed to me to be, something that wouldn't be generalizable to the, the whole system. You can't do concierge, uh, h- higher-priced uh, boutique-type medicine or whatever you want to call it in a um, uh, in a larger system. And, and then I actually went to the website of uh, Avado, uh, uh, of A-V-A-D-O, Dave Chase, and ended up starting talking to Dave some. And he's a real proponent of direct care. He said, well, have you ever thought about direct care? And I said, uh, no, I haven't because I don't know what it is. Uh, and he basically explained it to be essentially a lower cost. But, uh, you know, again, the focus is uh, basically a, a lower cost version. And then it's a little, again, it's a little different. But no insurance, most of them don't. There's Medlion and, and Qlion out on the West Coast, and I looked at what they're doing. And there's different ways of doing it, but basically it's something that everybody should be able to afford. You know, if you do 50 bucks or 60 bucks a month, People pay that for their cable. They pay that for their cell phones. They pay that going out to Golden Corral and, and uh, you know, uh, Hula Hands or whatever all the time. And, you know, they're, they're people will part with 50 bucks a month relatively easily. Uh, for most people, I mean, there's definitely some who can't afford it. But, um, you know, it seemed a lot more reasonable and it seemed like it was something that was within reach. And, you know, as I thought about it, I kept rolling it through my head And, you know, I I, I was really dissatisfied and had a talk with the partners at the start of the year, and then that kind of washed over, and and I just basically mulled it over for the next eight months, and that's when the whole idea of direct care came. Now, my take on it is going to be a little different because, again, my belief is not more is better. Um, You know, some of the things we'll say, well, if you do pay us, you will get one full chemistry, you know, SMA 6,000 done every year, and, you know, we'll do a stress test every other year, or whatever, you know, that's like saying they're going to change your oil every 1,000 miles, <laughs> that's nice, but <laughs> why, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what's the point, point? <laughs> and we all know that with, a, with testing, a lot of times, you do a test, and I mean, I had a guy who had a, 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 he's in his 20s, and for some reason, he went to one of those health screenings and got a carotid Doppler, and then... They didn't see that, but they saw a thyroid nodule. But it wasn't really a thyroid nodule. And the guy got really anxious and almost paranoid about this incidentaloma that really is nothing. But you know, it's just because you were looking. Okay, so now what are you going to do with it? Um, and uh, you know, I think educating patients to the fact that really the goal uh, is actually to stay away from healthcare or stay away from the healthcare system because that is where, you know, the more you get, the worse it is. And I want to keep people healthy and away from it. And my goal will be to giving the resources that people can make their own decisions and take charge of their own health. And that doesn't mean doing extra tests. It means ordering less tests, if that's the best thing, and having you on less medicines, if that's the best thing, and having you see less consults, and certainly keeping you from the emergency room when you don't need to be there, and giving you the tools to, to be able to make that, that decision. And you know if if what I'm trying to do it comes to pass, then it's a better life for my patients because they're not always sitting around in the doctor's office waiting and they're always they're feeling much more empowered, certainly a better life for me um I mean there's no question that you know the 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 pressure is way way less, and I'm able to do what i want and and if I could do those two things and save money at the same time. It, it's it sounds pretty irresistible um i mean it i mean i don't know i don't know how you know we'll have to see how well it works but i mean you know, how, how um
2: how, how what what has been the response you know from all around from the patient community from the professional community from the social media community i mean i know that you've been getting a lot of love out here in social media land but uh i don't know what yeah, uh, have you talked with the patients about it
0: oh yeah quite a bit quite a bit. Um majority of patients are thrilled, um, and they're excited about it. And, you know, some of them are sad because they don't think they can do it. But I keep telling them, I say, look, I'm going to make a list of deliverables. And what I mean by that is I'm going to say this is the amount that you're going to pay, and this is what you're going to get for it. And not many doctors do that, by the way. You know, not many doctors have upfront pricing where we say, here's what you pay, this is what you get. But I'm going to give you a list of things that your monthly fee will bring you. Uh, and there's some legal reasons to do that because, you know, uh, there are some, uh, uh, some of the direct care practices that, that were actually there was um, retainer-based law in uh, a lawyer's office in New York that got really in trouble because they were basically providing insurance. Uh, well, but if I have something of value, a deliverable that I give them for their money, then it's not insurance. That's, that's a product that they're paying for it. And so... But I'm gonna, re- you know, and so I tell them that stuff, and they're like, you know, they're real excited. I mean, these are these are people who I've known for years and years, and who who you really trust, you know, who re- who really trust me, and who, you know, I, I know them when I walk into the room, and you know, the really the the touching thing for me is the fact that they're just so happy for me. They just are happy that I'm doing something for me, and. You know, as a as a doctor, you know, it's nice to be considered a, a human being by your patients. And, uh, you know, it just shows that I've, I've built relationships with these people. And, you know, they're just, I like them and they like me. And, and it shows in these types of things where they're, you know, you know, go doc, you know, or, you know, way to go. <laughs> you know, I had one lady kind of get a smirk on her face when she figured it out and she said, Kind of like revolution, I said. These are all <laughs> Revolution, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're going to start, uh, aren't we? Yeah, you feel exactly, very subversive exactly. on at some point in time. Oh, yeah. Like we're it's we're a, sticking it to the plan. Up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where so, do you
2: yeah. uh, where, where do you see the, the, the practice six months uh, after you start? Have you? I know you probably haven't done a lot day one, but um, where, where do you kind of see things going in six months.
0: Well, I, you know, I think there are several things. You know, I have no idea, really. Because I don't know what my patient response will be. What I do want to do though is I want to make sure that I don't bite it off bite off too much at the at the very start. Because if I if I bite off too much, then I'm not going to be able to deliver what I'm planning on delivering. And that's you know, that's to me more important than the revenue at this point in time. It's you know, the revenue, the nice thing about this practice, you don't have to worry that much about revenue because you get it all at the front and the start of the month. There's no AR really. Um and uh but you um I want to make sure that I'm doing that and once I've built it up and I don't know what the magic number will be when I'm busy enough and I'm making enough money. Um but if it gets so that, you know, I get to thousand and I'm really not all that busy and I'm able to deliver what I want to, um and so I go up to twelve hundred, well then that'll be earning probably more money than I really planned on. And so then why can't I just lower, lower the cost a little bit? It's kind of a novel concept, huh. but I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really want to get that rich. I just want to be able to, I mean, I do want to be able to pay for university of Rochester where my daughter's going, which is a lot, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, I don't think that's a problem. You know, again, doctor salaries are fine. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not poor. Uh, and, yeah. uh, uh you know i i'm i'm okay with with doing that but there's some other opportunities i could pull in a pa um i could maybe pull in another physician although i don't think early on i would um it would probably just be to pull in a, maybe a pa or even just add extra nursing to do some of my day-to-day stuff to help me uh, through all of that um you know one thing um, i've i've go ahead
2: no, I, I was going to ask you. I mean, it's you know, just uh, you know, be, being a revolutionary um, out there, and uh, uh, you know, being pretty you know popular out there on social media. There's, there's probably a, a lot of business people that have been probably contacting you, trying to partner with you, and and you know, to explore no. some possibilities and things, or
0: not really. Yeah, yeah, of their EMR products or of their other types of things that they they want me to do. Um, that type of stuff. Local business is not as much. And, you know, that's one of the opportunities that I think is is unexplored here because, you know, when you think about it, this type of practice, if you market it to a a business and you said, well, we could really reduce the absenteeism of your folks because they could handle stuff from the office computer and, you know, contact me without having to... Sit around all day for their their illness or their kids' illness, and if I was able to get businesses to ante up you know they they could probably pay more they'd pay hundred bucks a month, and that still would be a bargain for them. They'd be offering primary care, good primary care um keeping their people healthy um and keeping them happy um and making it so that that they don't have to. Be guessing about their illness. I, you know, I want my patients that if they have questions, that they try and find the answers to them. That they don't sit around and wait. And oh my gosh, you know, you know, I had had people who had a guy who was having kidney stone for a week, and he was wondering if it was going away. It's like sure, it didn't have much. Wait, he didn't have insurance, and so he didn't really want to have to come in and pay the money. He was hoping it would pass, but he he just totally suffered that whole time. And he was a guy. I mean, he. These Those folks are just totally thrilled when they hear about this type of a practice so um anyway i i I think that down the road, I think there are some real intriguing opportunities to to uh market this to businesses which I think get even more value than the patients themselves, or they get an added value of of um you know competitive advantage to some extent. Yeah, the fact that actually even under Obamacare or whatever you want to call the ACA, that the you know people will be able to actually get this type of a practice. It's written into the law itself that they'll be able to get this direct care kind of practice, and uh, along with a high deductible plan, and that will count. Um, and so, this I think the time is right for this, and or you know, uh, will I start a revolution by this? Go
2: ahead. Yeah, and I know that, yeah, um, and I know you know how to do the EMR right, and and you know that that can show things like, um, you know, better outcomes and higher quality of care, and, oh, yeah. and that type oh, yeah. of thing. And I would, I would presume that would be kind of data you would show businesses and saying, you know, oh, I right. this is this is the deliverable I will give you as a business if you partner with right. me. Is that right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the the other thing that I would to your listeners, if there's any listener out there that really wanted to do a study, to ask my, to pull my patients ahead of time and say, how much did you spend last year on your health care? And then track them, see if it goes up or down. Um, and I bet you we can get the number to go down quite a bit uh, because they'll have information and they'll not have duplicate tests and they'll not have, I mean, they're going to be operating with their eyes open for the first time. Uh, doing their health care for the first time with their eyes open, and I really believe that that this type of model, if you really wanted to really validate it um that uh you know I'm working to save them uh, keep them away from the spending uh, hours in the hospital emergency room for something that they could have handled over the phone with me um you now, know do you again, do,
2: uh you do inpatient care now or will you do inpatient care or you don't do that?
0: I don't. Um uh, I do inpatient pediatrics right now, but I'm not gonna be doing that. But I do think that, you know, if the patient goes to the ER, I I want them to have me talk to the ER doctor. I mean, again, if sure. I'm you know, if I'm only have a thousand patients, then it's not gonna be as hard to do that kind of thing. To to get on the phone and say, Hey, um, you know, I just saw them, and this is, you know, the, here's all the stuff that's been done and then Now, my hope is that they'll be able to just show the doctor, here's my information. Um, but even if they, they don't, then at least I'll be right there. Or if they're in the hospital, you know, the difference, Mike, is that right now I can't do any of that stuff because I have that pressure of patient volume. And if I'm not seeing right. in patients, then I'm anxious about the fact that I'm not earning enough to pay my daughter's tuition. And if I am seeing patients all the time, then I can't spend time on the phone talking to hospitalists and that kind of stuff. But, you know, in this type of practice where I'm really trying to keep people well and away from my office unless they need to come in, and even then, that'll be a short time, then I've got time to call people and to to find out what's going on to make sure that they're, they're getting care. Because most of the time, you know, with hospitalists, there's this... Huge disconnect. I don't know if you've worked at hospitalists, so it's really frustrating. It's like they 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 don't believe we exist as primary care doctors sometimes. And it's like, um, excuse me, but you know, there is care that goes on outside of the hospital, um, and and it's this this disconnect that if I connect the dots, I can hopefully give them information. Say, well, you know, she was in St. Louis last year and had this same sort of thing happen. And uh, you know, and that's information that the patient may not think is relevant, but I I would, you know. So that's my goal is to kind of connect all the dots or or if I send a person to a specialist to um to um you know, have contact the specialist personally and say, Here's what I'm thinking, this is why what I need from you that's really the way specialists want it. They want to know why they send them, you know. Most of the time, I try and gift wrap the patient, you know, for all of sure. the oh, like yeah. physical therapy, and then say, uh, no. you know, um, but the, you know, the truth is, a lot of times they don't know, um, and so I want to make sure that people get efficient care and they don't waste their time when the doctor doesn't know what's going on. And the last You seem kind that, of, uh, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead, finish up. The the last thing that to me that that. I, I've kind of talked about that I haven't seen a lot of other people talking about is this idea of the GPS device, the idea of a... And this is really what I've been spending my energy on over the past six months of making um, a patient care plan um, that basically says, here's when all your last uh, screening tests have been done. Here's when your screening tests are due. This is your... Next this is what your upcoming year looks like from a health standpoint. You know, you're on the diuretics so in 6 months we'll need to do this, you know, and just basically give them the lay of the land. Here's what you're doing right, but you need to lose some weight over the next year and I would like to every year have a conversation with each patient or at least with uh at least give a very good summary of their overall health uh care plan. Um, you know, based on the labs they've had in the past, you know, they're anemic and so, you know, I can spend my day looking through each of my patients' records and saying, are they up to date? Go to the next patient, are they up to date? And, you know, when you have 500 patients, it doesn't take too long to go through that, um, you know, versus the, you know, huge number that I've got now. So, I mean, that to me is something where, again, the more information I can give them, you know, if you ask your average guy, once. When's your last colonoscopy? When's your next one? You know, most of them don't know. And I don't remember when their last one was because it was a traumatic event. But uh, the previous, <laughs> the next one, they don't really know when they're supposed to get it done and when are you due for your next cholesterol. Most people don't have any idea of that kind of stuff. And I would like every patient to have their own little calendar that they know what's going on, what went on. Um, and, uh, you know, that, I again, I think it's really empowering. And... uh It'd be kind of fun to do. Uh,
2: you seem, Rob. You seem kind of, uh, you know, and I can hear it in your voice and in your writings, too. That you, you sound like you're, you're recharged and rejuvenated, and, yeah. and uh, you know that you know this whole process is kind of building towards, you know, you know, doing what you've always wanted to do as far as taking care of patients. Is that right?
0: Amen. Yeah, my my wife even said, and, and some patients have observed you just seem happier, um, and it's the truth. I, I. And and I I don't know I'm just the kind of person you know my brother-in-law I was talking about this with him and he 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 was he goes it's kind of a moral thing for you isn't it <laughs> and I was like <laughs> yeah I guess it is I mean I feel like I'm doing the right thing and and I'm kind of having fun doing it I, I really you know it's not and and I guess my patients know that about me uh, but it's just. I really, it's fun to be onto something that sounds like, you know, and, and I've had crazy ideas with the EMR before, and we've been really successful. So each time I would, I was saying, you know, this makes sense. And I, I've had this feeling before, and I was right. I was right real early. You know, everybody else thought I was absolutely nuts back then. It probably was, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's still, I was right. I, I and we were very successful as an office in the EMR and we were able to have revenue far above other folks and quality numbers far above other folks because of the way that we worked on office efficiency. And and this really, you know, I really realize that one of my strengths is building systems, is building a system to get something done is that's always been something that I like to think of. I like to figure out a way to make it work better um and to tinker with it and to you know change this and change that and, and this just is got right up my right up my alley. So yeah, I am much happier with this.
2: my um, guess on the line is uh, Dr. Rob Lamberts and uh, check out his website at doctor uh, .org. In, our, in our remaining minutes here, let's, let's, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, social media a little bit because I know there's a lot of people out here in social media lane, including me, um, are wondering if you're going to be, you know, how much transparency you're going to have as far as this process because a lot of people are looking at this type of direct care practice and and they want to see a guy kind of go through it and, and share his you know, experience and journey along the way. Have you considered doing that type of thing for other, you know, for us docs out here looking at this?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the answer is absolutely. Um, Because, you know, I really do think that if it is really a really good idea, then really all you need to do is to um, show A lot of other people, what's going on? And you know, my my post on dropping out actually went on the healthcare blog, uh, and uh, the gazillion comments—ninety-seven comments on it—and and uh, and you know, some of them were ridiculous, but it, it still was. It was is like one of the most commented posts at all. And the truth is, you know. They can argue all they want, and that's why can kind of saying It's like, yeah, you can argue this one side or the other, and I and I certainly respect people's opinions, and and I value even opposing to opinions because I sure as heck would rather think of it, you know, before it's uh, make a mistake. But um, I'm gonna prove w- one way or the other. It's either gonna be that I'm a uh, you know that I'm an object lesson, <laughs> which I hope not. <laughs> or I am I or I I show that I was right and and that that there is really value in this and so you know I I was uh, talking to e, Dave DeMoncardi e patient Dave and he's told me to blog the daylights out of it and and that is what I intend on doing I intend on making this transparent and the thought process and what's going on and you know uh, I really want this to be something that is is seen by others and. You know, there is a chance. If, you know, one, one example that I give him that I, I'm going to kind of spill a, blog, a future blog post, but anyway, the idea of my dad worked at Eastman Kodak growing up in Rochester, New York, where I grew up. And uh, he, uh, you know, Kodak was a great company. You know, they had basically the corner of the market for film through this black box, uh, literally, but figuratively as well, this idea of. You had the film, which you couldn't make, and then you sent it off, and they did paper, and they did developing in this process that you didn't know how to do, and they sent back these wonderful pictures. But it was this huge ordeal. And then digital cameras came around and totally cut that off. There was no more black box. It was just a you know, cam- digital camera. You took it and you shared it. And especially with something like Instagram came along where you – take it on your phone and you share it immediately with all your friends you know, that took everything out of it and coincidentally Kodak declares bankruptcy and instagram sells for a billion dollars to to facebook at the, on the same week um and you know i wonder if direct care might be more like an instagram where it, it cuts out the whole rest of medicine and just is me and my patients again and you know if that's the case That'd be great, Uh, because then things would get better. Uh, I don't think real change is going to come through Congress. (laughs) Something tells me they're not going to get anything done. I don't know.
1: No, no. Maybe it's the fact that they never
0: get anything done. Uh, Exactly. But yeah, (laughs) and so you know, change is going to have to come from somewhere else, and maybe it has to come from you know, from us. Uh, And I say us because all I'm doing is you know, working with stuff that other people have done. I didn't invent prim- this any of this stuff, but I'm sure. putting it together in my own spin, and, and I have, sure. for whatever reason, a certain amount of visibility, and people read what I write. And so, you know, maybe that's my job, is just to kind of be the front guy who does it in front of everybody, and everybody can be voyeuristic and watch me do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, that's fine. I, I'm willing to, to, to take that risk because... The payoff would be big, and you know, if it doesn't catch on, as long as I have a better life, my patients are better cared for, and I can pay, you know, my daughter's tuition, then I'm, then I'm okay. That's that's, I'm doing what I want to do.
2: Uh, And you're going to be sharing this on your more distractible uh, blog, or is it going to be on your? On your business, Dr. Lambert's blog. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think it's going to be the more distractible. I think the most of my my personal thoughts are going to be on there. I'm, um, you know, the the Dr. org is is still going to be aimed a lot more towards um, towards my patients and giving them information and that type of stuff. Of uh, you know, this is this is what I'm doing
1: and
0: and uh, and and kind of be as an advertisement to. To folks who want to know what my practice is all about but that that is definitely my practice um, my practices website rather than than my personal blog You know, there's the two aren't going to be too uh, i mean i'm passionate about the practice and the practice is going to reflect me so there's going to be a lot of of overlap but most of the stuff will end up on on uh, uh, on the more distractible
2: Uh, let's kind of circle back to the beginning of the show which actually circles back to five years ago and and, uh, you know having having you on the show here just to talk about stuff and uh, just kind of reminisce a little bit as we end the show here it's just just kind of what a ride I mean it has it's been and you know I met you at meetings we've been speakers and uh, we've been blogging and all this other kind of stuff and people think we're superstars and we're not and it's just um, when you kind of look back to you know all the social media stuff that you've done in the past few years what, what kind of thoughts come to your mind
0: Um, it's a, you know, it's kind of like, you're like, why in the world do people care what I think? (laughs) Why, (laughs) why, why do I have a picture of me standing next to Paul Ryan talking and telling him a joke or whatever? You know, why, how did this happen? You know, why did I get, why did I get the post here? You know, why did they really care what i thought why did i go on this american life once you know and talk to iron glass I, don't, I it's just it's just kind of surreal in some ways i was just kind of being myself and and writing and it just you know it's just we're just normal guys we just happen to write and happen to give talks and people happen to want to listen to us and you know you know i think you you kind of probably feel the same way i do it's I mean, yeah. You say we sort of people think we're superstars. That's kind of you know, like, yeah, right. <laughs> we're just yeah. guys. Yeah. We're just we just we just happen to have. Uh, we're not shy, you know. <laughs> we yeah. we don't mind telling others what we think, but you know, but we obviously do it in a way that doesn't. You know, there's some people who tell what they think, and it's you know, it's like, well, fine, but I think others. But you know, I I don't know. You gotta. We got. So that we could engage our readers and or our listeners, and and that's that's been the enjoyment. It's I you know it's not too different than uh, maybe it's not a coincidence that we're both primary care docs because it's pretty similar to what we do with our patients in some ways. It's this the best docs are the ones who 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 both are good at talking and good at listening, and yeah. as a as a blogger and writer, you got to do both, um, and because. You know, you gotta be aware of what folks are saying. You can't be caught up in your own little world, but at the same time, you gotta be able to explain things well and and be saying more than just whatever other people are saying. Um, you gotta be putting it in different words that that make it clearer for other people to understand. And I think that's our that's our, our task in in social media. I, I mean, it's been it's been yeah. My that's one thing my my partners at work had. Done. <laughs> I, they have no idea why I do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have, I have no idea.
2: I, 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 I'm the same way, Rob. I got I have four other family docs in my office, and uh, I've been uh-huh. doing this for five, six years, and they still don't. You know, understand. Oh, you know what to <laughs> it. And, you know, even though I was, you know, on the cover of Medical Economics talking about social media, they're like, "What is the social media thing, Mike?" I don't
1: really understand it. Yeah, we're but, gonna make
0: a social media policy for the office, and I was saying, "Well, maybe I ought to help." <laughs> like,
1: no, exactly. no, we'll take
0: care of. It. Whatever. I yeah, you know, I give <laughs> interviews for it. whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the the important thing is that our patients know. You know, I get you know I get new they're patients kidding. all the time that that come in from out of town to the small little town here and say, so, you know, we did a Google. Search and we saw your name, and we like the stuff that you're doing, and that's why we're here as a new patient. Yeah. And, and it's been it's been a good business thing for me too, but to get those relationships.
0: I agree, I agree. And they, again, they see you in a different light. And I think it's just all part of being a human being. I think you know that the mystical place, the holy of holies for me, has always been the exam room where it's just one person and another person, and that there this gives them the opportunity to see you. Uh, as you know, yeah, in some ways respect you, but more, but in some ways it's also just, just you're not just this one-dimensional. You're not a vending machine to get an antibiotic, or you're not a, uh, you know, to get lab tests done. You're you're a human being with opinions and you know sense of humor, or you know things that make you sad, uh, and that's that to me is is that's that's the magic of the exam room. And that's why I love it.
2: Yeah, well, one of the things I'm going to miss is that I mean it's it's not the Wild West as it was, you know, for four or five years ago, and it's yeah. you know, it's a lot more serious now. There's all you know, there's a lot more commercialism now, and it's just. And I think you said it probably at the beginning of this interview it was like you're a little bit more serious now than you were before, and uh, yeah. it's a lot different landscape than it was, and and it's kind of sad, you know, seeing those initial days of innocence gone.
0: Yeah, yeah, but there's always something new, you know. It's uh, there's always something new and. I have a feeling that over the next few months, I'm going to get a lot less serious, actually. I, You know, I've seen my, my humor side coming out a little bit more now that, you know, it, uh, it's almost like uh, I've just been going through labor over the past year or two, and uh, finally, <laughs> finally now, you know, now, of course, once that's done, then I'm stuck with a baby, and i got to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> but, <Exactly. laughs> but uh, you know, it's still this relief of, of, uh you know being on the other side and at least know this is where I'm going you know I'm 50 years old and it's perfect time to do all this um because uh you know I've I've shown that I've uh got longevity and you know stayed with the business for 18 years and then and I also people know that I'm not you know I'm not going to retire next year uh, and so you know I'm I'm in this for you know 15 plus years and hopefully it's something that I'll be sad to leave i have to say that that if medicine was the way that i've been practicing it i wouldn't be sad to leave it um i sad to leave the people but not the not the practice of medicine because it's just yeah. turned into way too much just way too much junk
2: um, my guest on the line has been uh, Dr. Rob Lambert. Check out his uh, website at drlambert.org. I'm going to uh, give you a couple of uh, seconds here to, to gather some thoughts for some for some closing thoughts. I just want to give people some more information here and uh, check out uh, his uh, blog. Uh, more musings of a distractible kind. Uh, go to more-distractible.org. And his uh, business slash practice site is drlamberts.org. Spell out um, doctor there. Uh, so, Rob, you know, as, as we kind of close things up here, I, I just want to just kind of, you know, let you give some closing thoughts about, you know, just, just uh, where you're at right now and kind of this transition you're be going to and, and this exciting thing that you're going to be, uh, uh, you know, taking on here and for you and your patients. Uh, so, Dr. Rob, what what closing thoughts do you have for us for our show here tonight?
0: Well, I'll get a little philosophical here or whatever. Um, my, you know, one of the things I tell patients is that, you got to be yourself. Uh, you got to learn to be who you are. And and I've gone through a whole lot of stuff under the hood uh, in my personal life and my emotions and that stuff. And one of the things that I've I've realized is I've just got to stop being stuff for other people and start being myself. And that was actually why I had to give up blogging for a little bit because I got so wrapped up in what people were their responses to what I was writing and it was just. My emotional state couldn't take it. But this is just kind of the culmination of me saying, this is me. This is what I do. And you may disagree and you may think it's great. And it doesn't really matter (laughs) what you think. Because I'm doing it because I want to and because I really feel like it's what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, I'll certainly listen to other people, but I feel definitely like I'm back to doing what i'm supposed to be doing and it's just a good place to be and i you know i i don't know what that is for other people but um i think we i get so much less restless so much less angry at the world when i feel like i'm able to not apologize for who i am even if people get mad at me even if you know people don't understand if i know that i'm being the person I'm supposed to be then, then I can live with what other people's reactions are. So you know, it's it has definitely helped a lot to to do this and, and I think this all came along with all the other stuff that I've learned in the other areas of my life where uh, you know, it's a sense of unity of myself, which is it's, again it's just good. And it's like I said, I'm waxing a little philosophical, but it's truth. Uh, you know, we get so caught in the things that we should do. And that should is put on by people we don't know or we don't like. Uh, and yet we we are, uh, you know, and I, I certainly have been a slave to what other people think or I think I should be. And I've just got to be who I am. And that doesn't mean I'm not sensitive to other people or I'm selfish. It just means that I, you know, I'm going to take care of the person who, I'm, who I am and that person likes to help other people and that's good. You know so I like it. so hope everybody uh, else can have this experience
2: <laughs> well i mean just, just i mean just kind of reflecting back to that you know show five years ago, and it's just like you know you sound the same that you did then, meaning that you know you, you sound like you're having fun, you sound like you're relaxed, okay. you sound like you know and, and i and I've seen your kind of your progression as far as you know on, on the block, taking a break from the block, coming back from the block, doing all of this and this whole arc, I guess, over the past five years. Yeah. And it's been interesting yep. to kind of see when I've known people on social media this long. Um, and yeah. uh, I, I'm, I can hear it in your voice. You know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's it's great to hear that you're at this place um, right now to, to start this new thing. Um, do you have a timetable yet as far as when you're going to be starting yet or?
0: Um, I mean, yeah, I would like to officially open at the, in January. Um, and may take on some beta patients in November, December, depending on what I need to work out some of the bugs of stuff. I'm going to be working with patients. I'm going to have a team of patients really helping me sh- you know, shape this. Uh, it's not going to just be me for sure. And I've got patients who already have agreed. I mean, they're, they they love this. Again, they feel like they're being subversive, but the. You know, I don't know exactly how many patients I'm going to do uh, early on. Uh, probably start with 500 and then work my way up. Open it up over over time. Um, you know, I, I yeah, pro- January first is going to be definitely is my goal of the official first day, but maybe sooner if everything works yeah. out.
2: Well, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out here cheering for you. I'm one of them, and I'm definitely not going to wait uh, five years to bring you back because I definitely want to check <laughs> in with you. And I know a lot of people out here, are, you know, kind of want to check in with you um, as far as reading your blog and maybe coming on the show just to kind of describe where you're at and how you're feeling. And um, no I'm just so I'm I'm so excited for you. And I know there's a lot of practices that are just kind of. You know, glancing at this, I know I am, you know, kind of looking at this and saying, what are other people doing? I have a lot of, uh, as I shared with you offline, um, I have some colleagues that are journeying into that as well. And uh, there's a lot of people kind of be watching what you're doing. um, And, um, you know, it's it's, it's just very, very exciting. And I wish you the best
0: of luck. Well, thanks. And, And anybody out there who is doing this, I know there's a couple of folks. I know Val is doing something similar to this. I really want to talk to everybody and anybody and, and learn other people's lessons. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I have my own thoughts, obviously, but, um, you know, I'm not gonna, I uh, I, I, um, I definitely want to hear what other people have, and I appreciate those who have already offered. So that's Well, great. So thank you so much for
2: coming I on the show. I? I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, um, I, I didn't I, I know I was your just... first
0: guest. I didn't know I was your yeah. first guest ever. I, I, didn't yeah. That's
2: right cuz cause, cause you you're 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 a a revolutionary and a rebel back then coming on this, you know, <laughs> podcast with this Dr. Anonymous guy right? and now you're back yeah. and uh, still being a rebel and uh mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. it's it's great to talk to you and it's uh yeah, a it's, great it's to a, great to kind, of, uh, kind of exploring yeah. and and watching what happened. And if I could assist in any way, you know, I'll probably sending be sending you some contacts and trying to connect you Please. up with some people as well. And uh, it's, gonna, it's gonna be so much fun. If I can help in any way, please let me know. All
1: right. Well, thanks, Mike.
0: Thanks a lot. All right.
2: That's All right. Well, have a great night, and and we'll 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 see you out there on the internet, as the kids call.
0: Yes. See me in the tubes. <laughs> All right. Take care.
2: All right. All right. Thank you, sir.
0: All right. Bye-bye. All right, kids.
2: Uh, that uh, ends my show here uh, tonight. And, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people out there, not just Dr. Rob. You know, it's probably the most prolific out there on social media because uh, he's been uh, out there on social media for the longest. But uh, a lot of my personal colleagues, a lot of people, family medicine, family practice out there who are doing this. And, um, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. And and Dr. Rob said it so, so vividly, too. It's just, uh, you know, we can't look uh you know to the government to solve this. I mean it has to be from the grassroots, it has to be people that are doing it. Um we have to show them that um some of these models out there are going to work. We just have to give them the data. We have to prove to them that, you know, things like direct primary care, direct care, direct medicine, whatever you want to say, um is a different type of model uh that can help the American US healthcare system. And uh um I want to thank Dr. Rob again for coming on the show. Uh, I'm going to plug his uh, stuff again. I mean, drlamberts.org, D-O-C-T-O-R-L-A-M-B-E-R-T-S.org. And um, his personal website is uh, more, M-O-R-E-dash, org, And that's where you will be seeing the uh, practice kind of evolve in front of your eyes uh, there, so it'll be interesting to to see that. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening tonight. Um, also listen to last week's show, download last week's show, episode 276. Also has to do with healthcare reform. Also has talking about uh, our broken healthcare system uh, with Dr. Ted Epperly and his book Fractured. Uh, thank you so much everybody who have, have uh, downloaded and listened to that as well. So my name is Mike Savella. Check out my digital library of stuff at uh, Family Medicine Rocks dot com and uh yeah i'm gonna be bringing on more people on the show here talking about different different models of care out there and hopefully show you out there the listening public uh kind of what us else is out there uh and the to show you the innovators the people who are daring to dream uh people who are wanting to uh you know uh, fix our healthcare care system. Uh, so, uh, so it's very been exciting last couple of shows. So thank you all for joining me. I will see all of you out there on the internets out there. Uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, like the Facebook page for this show. Uh, and we're uh, really a great interview tonight. So uh, I'm really, really happy with it. So thanks thanks again, Dr. Ruff, for uh, coming on. My name is Mike Savella. Go to FamilyMedicineRocks.com. That ends our show tonight. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. Good night, everybody. See you